This is the Tyson Durfee Show. Compete, lead, and become a champion. All right, how we doing? Are we excited about getting into disciplining our money? And by disciplining your money, you're going to have to decrease your monthly expenses. How many of you out there feel like there's not enough money to get through the month? Have you ever felt that way? Ooh, yep, I have. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, most of my life I felt that way. It, was, it isn't until the last 10 years of my life where I began to seek a little bit of financial abundance and going to the next level. And knowing how that feels and how much more impact I feel like I have with my wife, my kids, my family, my charities, the things I donate to, my churches. But to be honest with you, you deserve it. You deserve to feel that security. You deserve to have the peace of mind and know that like when you look at your bank account, you don't see worry or fear or anxiety and all that stuff. And trust me, I've been there. I've been there. So know that whatever situation that you're in, I've been there and I've grown past it, much like you will. I have actually slept in the backseat of my truck many nights because I didn't have anywhere to stay. I've literally had not enough money to pay my bills. I remember when my wife and I first got married and we checked our checking account balance. And granted, we had just bought a small place together. We had a quarter of a million dollars in debt in this new place. And we looked at our checking account and guess how much money we had? We had like $700 between the two of us. And so knowing that our payments were $2,500 a month, like we're like, we got to hustle. We got to figure this out. We got to really discipline our money and get to a position where, hey, I don't want to be scared anymore. I don't want to have this thought in the back of my head that says, I don't like this. I'm comfortable. I hate it. I don't even like to check my checking account balance because it shows me how much I don't have. And I had to get to a place where I just didn't want that for me anymore. And I didn't want it not only for myself, but I didn't want it for my new wife. And I did definitely didn't want it for you know the future of my kid and the, my future family. So when you're thinking about disciplining your money, don't think about it as just like, oh, I got to cut this. I got to cut that. I'm going to live some miserable. It's going to be miserable, blah, blah, blah. No, treat it like a game. Treat it like a game. Say, all right, I have this much in my account this month on this date. How much more can I have next month on the exact same date? And track your expenses. But remember that so much with disciplining your money, it deals like decreasing your expenses deals with discipline. So there's two ways to get financially free. Number one is to manage what you have very, very well. And then over a long period of time, grow that wealth through discipline. Remember that decreasing your expenses equals discipline. And disciplining your money is not an easy thing. We all want to be the person that has six figures, seven figures and bank account just sitting there doing nothing. Like that would be awesome, right? But it takes a lot of discipline to get that done. One way is through decreasing your expenses and disciplining your money day in, day out. Another way is to have such a great skill like selling that you make so much money, you just don't spend what you make. And so it's been my personal experience that going through both sides of that is that you need to be able to do both. And that's why in this series, we're talking about our money mindset, how we view money, how we look at money, and now we're talking about disciplining our money. And then the next one is how do we grow our money? How do we get it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? And the truth is, I believe that the three work together to create an incredibly healthy bank account. It's not just the fact that, oh, I made a bunch of money. Because as you know, and most people who win the lottery are flat broke in five years. Most people who get big inheritances blow it unless they've had 
a lot of knowledge, a lot of schooling by family members or themselves teaching them how to manage it. Most people who get large sums of money really fast, it ends up being actually a big detriment, not a big plus, as you might think it would be, right? So number one, recognize that decreasing your expenses is only found through discipline. It's discipline. That is it. Because there's going to be things that you want. There's going to be things. That, do I need 15 cases of beer on the weekend? Probably a lot of you don't, but I knew a lot of guys growing up that was like, ah, oh, let's get some beer, man. Let's go party. I'm like, bro, you're 35. You're still saying that. Like, grow up. Or maybe just take a step back and say, do I really need this? Okay, and I don't want to get too deep in that because that's something I'm going to touch on here in a minute. Uh, one thing that I do, and I think it's incredible for all of you to do in talking about like disciplining our money, is you do a monthly money review. So how many of you out there actually like once a month sit down for an hour and go through your money and say, all right, this is what these retirement accounts are doing. This is what my bank accounts are doing. This is what my stocks or my investment accounts are doing. And just reviewing those things that are working for you. So, so many times we get to just paying for things out the wazoo and the credit card companies know this. We pay for this. We pay for that. We pay for this. We pay for that. Pretty soon we look at the bill at the end of the month or a month later and you're like, oh, I spent how much money? That's incredible. That's crazy. But if you can have a monthly money review, it's like, all right, I buy the same things every month. I have the same subscriptions. I have the same thing. And I know what to expect. Most people come back off their vacation with massive credit card debt because they get caught up in, I want this. I want this. I want this. This would be fun. I would make me feel good. I'll pay for it later. And disciplining your money is that you should never have the attitude of, I'll pay for it later. If you can't pay for it now, then you don't have to have it. A big deal right there. So make sure that you're really understanding when you go through that money monthly review, what you really need and what you want. Because your needs are things that you have to have to survive. Your wants are things that you would like to have in this very moment. Go through there and get super clear on the things that you want. But through that monthly money review, it's going to open up your eyes. Boy, I was spending this much eating out every month. I didn't realize it. Was, I was just charging the car. I didn't realize it. Or man, I'm spending this much on alcohol every month. Man, I didn't notice that. Or I'm, I've got Disney Plus. I've got Netflix. I've got Hulu. I've got YouTube Premium. Like I have all these things. And I didn't know I was spending that much every month. I just pay for it. And I know I have enough to cover it, but I don't know exactly how much I'm making every month. So within that monthly money review, recognize what's coming out of your account, but then also recognize, all right, are we saving some? Are we using this money for anything else? Or is it like, if I have a plus at the end of the month, I'm happy. The monthly money review breaks down your money into different categories. And those categories basically fit into the next one. The 50-20-20-10 rule. If you know what this 50-20-20-10 rule is, then comment in the section below. Because at the end of the day, if you're not clear on what like this 50, 20, 20, 10 rule is, then you're going to be going in circles. Yes, you might end up at the end of the month with a little bit extra cash, but if that cash is not going to the right places, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Basically, what 50, 20, 20, 10 means is that 50% is going to your living expenses, what you need to survive, your food, your utilities, keep the lights on, the water bill, the trash bill, any and all that stuff that you need to live is 50% of your income. So if you make $2,000 a month, if you're spending more than $1,000 a month on all that stuff, then your balance is off to get a healthy checking account at the end of the month. So many people 
you know, they spend 75% of what they make every single month and then wind up at the end of the month and they're like, I don't have any money for savings. I don't have any money for this. I don't even have money to go have fun. Like, oh, my life's miserable. So remember, 50% is the money you need to live your life. 20% represents wants. Thing that you want to do. I want Hulu. I want Netflix. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I hate ads all the time on YouTube. So I'm just going to go ahead and pay the $10 a month at YouTube Premium, which I do. I do. I'm a big believer in YouTube Premium. And the reason is, is that I don't have to struggle through all of the ads that they target me with. And I don't want to hit the skip button all the time, right? So I will pay the $10 a month. The next thing, the next 20% is your savings and investing. So if 20% of your money that you make every single month is not going towards investing in your future, then there's something wrong. 20%. That's what you're after. And this is really good for people that you know are in consistent incomes. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're at a job where you just earn a salary. I don't know your situation, but this is really good for those type of people because if you are set on an income that's the same every month, then you can budget around how to maneuver what you want to do. So 20% is savings and investing. And the last 10% is just one that I throw in there because I like to give money away. I feel like if I give money away, then it doesn't have power over me. So I take 10% of whatever I make and I give it away. I give it away. My goal is to give six figures away. I'm not there quite yet, but that's my goal. And I just believe that the more I can give away and the more I can get rid of the feeling of anger when I give away and the less money is in control over me. And I believe it very much as a slave and a master relationship. And most people, including myself for a huge part of my life, I was completely mastered by money. I thought about money. I wanted to be rich, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it wasn't until I let go of all that and was able to give and to bless other people that I began to truly get free with money and not have that need or that worry or that hatred if I gave something away, right? And I just firmly believe those who give receive freely that's why I like to budget 10% in everything I do to actually just give it away. I pick very wisely what I give to. I don't give to things that throw money in the trash can. I give to people, uh, charities, organizations, churches that I feel like use the money for the good of themselves and for humanity. So that's my own personal belief. You do whatever you want. There might be an orphanage that you want to give money to help young boys or girls. There might be an animal shelter. It could be anything, but giving money away allows you to live that freedom lifestyle and that freedom mindset because you're not in control of its power over you. You're in control of what you do with it. I think I messed that up a little bit, but that's all right. You got the point. So the 50-20-20-10 rule is 50% what you need to survive. 20% wants. I want Hulu. I want Netflix. I want to go out to eat. I want to drink an ice bottle of wine. 20% savings and invest and 10% give it away so it doesn't have power over you. That's the 50, 20, 20, 10 rule. That's, I'm sure there's similar rules out there than that, but this is how I operate my life. These things that I talk to you about in these coaching programs, certain things that I do is not about, hey, this is what somebody else put out there and then I'm just gonna take it and use it. This is actually stuff that I do. I like to give money away. I like to save money. I like to bless other people. I like to do these things. So these are actually things that I do. All right. After you understand the 50, 20, 20, 10 rule, you need to get incredibly clear on what's a need and what's a want. That is it. So many times when we're trying to learn to manage money, we trick ourselves into thinking, I need this when it's actually just a want. Do you need 15 subscriptions for Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, all these things? Each one of those is sucking you for 
you know, I don't know, 20 bucks a month. Do you need that? Does that actually serve your life? The way I look at subscriptions is they have to add value to my life and not just an entertainment value. I'm talking about educational value, value that says, hey, I'm adding value to my life by watching, by consuming, by doing this. And by doing this, I am getting further ahead. I'm not getting outran, outpaced. Remember, the kid that's watching Netflix 24-7 is doing nothing to feed his brain. He's doing nothing to feed his brain. You go be the champion. You go be the person that has subscriptions that serve you. Now, what I would tell you when you're getting incredibly clear on your needs versus wants, we need to eat. We need to drink water. We need to pay our bills. We need health insurance. We need all these things. List all those things out. Now, we need those things. We want soda pop. We want cigarettes. We want beer. We want tobacco. We want to go to the movies. We want all of these things. And to be honest with you, my lifestyle, and I say 20% on needs, I bet I don't spend 5% on needs. My lifestyle is so incredibly lean. That's how I've been able to add you know, zeros and commas to my bank account. I'm not trying to brag. I want you to understand that through discipline, you will have more freedom to do what you want to do. It doesn't mean that you don't maybe have a soda. It doesn't mean that you don't have a glass of wine. It doesn't mean you don't have a drink. Like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, do you need 10? Do you need 10 beers? Do you need five glasses of wine? And see, this principle applies to your money, but it also applies to your life. If you can truly manage this discipline aspect, your money will go up, your health will go up, your fitness will go up, your relationships will go up. Everything will go up through discipline. So needs versus wants, get really clear what the needs and wants are. And if your money's not balancing out through the 50, 20, 20, 10 rule, then you probably need to think about doing something a little bit different. Okay, next one. No more money suckers. These should lead into each other. When I wrote this out, when I was planning all this out, I wanted this all to flow into each other. So no more money suckers. What is a money sucker? A money sucker would be like a leech, right? Something that just clings to you and it just sucks and sucks and sucks. And it provides no value other than just creating sore pain in your body, right? That is addictions, okay? Tobacco, alcohol. Think about it. If a person smokes a pack of cigarettes every single day, which a lot of people do in this planet, or chew, whatever it is, how much money do you think that they throw out the window? Let's just pull this one out of here. If a person has either a pack of cigarettes or a can of tobacco or a six pack of beer or some, let's just say they spend $5 a day. That's $35 a week. And we're going to multiply that by the number of weeks in the year. That's $1,820 a year if they only spend five bucks a day. Now, $1,820 a year, what could you do with that? You could do a lot. But here's the thing. Most people who have money suckers, they drink a little bit too much. They chew a little too much. They smoke a little too much. They party a little too much. They do other things a little bit too much. And all of a sudden, instead of having $1,800 a year, they're spending $10,000 a year. They're spending too much money on stuff. They don't have the self-discipline to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? Harming my body. I'm taking away from my kid's college fund. I'm not going to do that. No way. So no more money suckers. Some ideas of money suckers are unused subscriptions. Like So for example, if you're out there and you're paying for Netflix and you're paying for Hulu and you're paying for Disney Plus, you're paying for all these subscriptions, get the insurance you know, for $3.99 a month to be covered for a rental car. If you don't use it, then you got to lose it. If it's not adding value to you, you got to lose it. Like literally subscriptions will bleed you to death. The other day, my wife went through all of her subscriptions and she was spending like $188 a month 
of stuff we didn't even use. So like, why would you allow that to happen? Go through your expenses, do the monthly money review. That way you're aware of what you're spending your money on and then make your money break down into these buckets. 50% living expenses, needs, 20% wants, 20% save and invest, 10% give it away. Think about it. If you're giving away a couple hundred dollars every month and subscriptions that you're not even using, you might as well give that money to somebody who needs it. Somebody who doesn't even have food, right? I went hungry. I used to never have food in my house. I went hungry all the time. I would love to have some food at that point. So I think there's an obligation not only to yourself, but to society. So get rid of the money suckers, the bad habits. Like another one, and I hope I don't step on too many toes about this, is like there was a young lady the other day and she's really, really struggling to make ends meet. And I'm like, how many dogs do you have? And she's like, well, I got six dogs. I'm like, you have six dogs? Well, no wonder you have freaking money problems. Like you don't earn a lot, but then you have six dogs and then freaking dogs are eating a lot of food and you're spending so much money in dog food that it's just bleeding you dry. And she is like, she's like, well, but they make me happy. I'm like, can you be happy with one small dog <laughs> or maybe one or two dogs? Can you be happy with that? I don't know this sounds crazy to you. As I was growing up, I would never have a dog and never had a dog until this last year. I'm 38 years old. And the reason I never had a dog was because I knew that my purpose and my passion was being successful while rodeoing. And I didn't want that added expense. Think about money suckers out there. Like if you have six dogs and you don't make that much money, you got to give some dogs away. Bless somebody else's life by giving a dog away. If you have 27 horses and you're only riding one or two of them, you know, get rid of some horses, your feed, your hay, everything goes down. You know how many horses I own that I personally own that I compete on? I have two, two horses that I compete on. I have one retired, so I technically have three. But at the end of the day, it's like I make a lot of money roping and that's my passion. And it's been, and I only have three horses. Are you kidding me? Most people do it. I have like 10 horses or whatever, but I realize that it's just a money sucker. It's sucking my money day in and day out. That's not allowing me to fit into these buckets. These buckets are my lifeblood. This is how I operate. So I really, really, really watch my money and I know where it's coming in and I know where it's going out. I do the reviews. I monitor my subscriptions all the time. So get rid of the money suckers. You have friends that always want to borrow from you. Ah, can you lend me some money or can you help me out? And trust me, as you begin to make more money, you're going to have people that want to just, you know, borrow from you. I'll pay you back or whatever. Um, and if you get into that, make sure they do pay you back. Don't let them just continue borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and never pay you back been there, done that, not fun, ruins friendships as well. So don't do it if you don't have to. Next is the catastrophe fund. What does that mean? The catastrophe fund basically lines out and says, hey, you lose your job. I got you. You don't make any income this month. I got you. You have unexpected bills come up. I got you. Don't worry about it. We got this. That's what the catastrophe fund is. For me, for years, I had 30 grand in my checking account. I had no catastrophe fund. I didn't save. I didn't invest. I didn't do anything, right? I was frugal, but I still just did not have this fund set up. And basically with that catastrophe fund is people have called it like a rainy day fund or an emergency fund or whatever. Like I call it a catastrophe fund. And what that means is I want to have enough money in my checking account to pay all the bills if I make zero money for six months without having to dip into anything else. Six months. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of, I spend a lot of money between all the employees, all the businesses, all the taxes and all the stuff that go with it. 
But at the end of the day, if you're not set up to do it, then it could be a real bummer. Like what happens if the transmission goes out of your vehicle or something happens major and you don't have any money? Well, then you got to go to the bank. And then when you go to the bank, when you need money, they're going to charge you more interest. When you go to the bank and you have a bunch of money in your checking account and they know that you don't need them, they give you the best interest rates possible. Remember that. Remember that. So the catastrophe fund, make sure be diligent with it. This 20% savings and invest, that 20% bucket, it needs to flow into the catastrophe fund. Most people come to me, they're like, Tyson, I want to invest. I want to make money. I want to do this. I'm like, how much do you spend a month? They say, well, I spend five grand a month. I'm like, okay, do you have $60,000 in cash? They're like, well, no, I don't have $60,000 in cash. Like, why are you even investing then? If you don't have a catastrophe fund of six months worth of income, then there is no need for you to think about investing. Okay, don't think about investing because here's the deal. When most people start investing, they lose, they lose, they lose. They make bad decisions, they get bad advice, and they lose, they lose, they lose. And then all of a sudden, they don't have any money, then it's a big problem. But if you manage your money properly and you master savings, the savings flow into the catastrophe fund over a period of six months, 12 months, 18 months, that catastrophe fund will get so big that once it's there and you're managing your expenses to overflow, then you invest that money. That's when you invest that money. That money that flows to you that way does not get invested first off. And some people would probably disagree with me on this. Man, borrow the money, borrow the money. Hey, listen, you know, I don't want to be a slave to a lender. I only leverage out very little when I have a lot of cash. That way I can withstand the storm if things all go to crap and I still have to make the payments. So that catastrophe fund is something you must have. If you do not have a minimum, a minimum of four months of cash in the bank, you should be on high alert, high alert. And this thing that drives me crazy, people will say, oh, I don't need to worry about that because I got a job or I got, you know, this monthly check that comes in and they live to that monthly check. And what they don't realize is that they're setting themselves up for failure. What happens if that monthly check goes away and you don't have a catastrophe fund? You're not set up. You don't have six months of cash in the bank. Then you are messed up in a big way. Then it's really going to be hurting for you. And I don't want that. You're smarter than that. You deserve more than that. Your kids deserve more than that. Your family deserve more than that. Get a catastrophe fund. I'm going to add something else in here that I didn't write down. When you decrease your debt, start with your lowest debt first. And people will disagree with me on this too. They'll say, hey, you know, pay off the highest interest stuff first. Well, that's true, but that doesn't give you confidence to go pay more stuff down, right? So I would tell you that if you have some debt for say like student loan debt, and it's really, really, really cheap money. So you're borrowing in at like 3%, 5%. I never had a student loan, so... I don't know what it is, but let's say it's super cheap. Pay that off last because terms are very long. If you have a credit card that you owe $1,000 on, you're paying 29%, pay that off first. 29% on a grand is a lot of money. It's $2,900 a year. It's huge money. So when you're paying off your debt, pay off your debt first, but pay yourself first. Have you ever heard of somebody say, hey, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. The truth is filling up this catastrophe fund, you're paying yourself first. Once this has like money in it to withstand multiple months, then we go to paying our debt down. Then we go to funneling money out to pay our debt down. Pay yourself first. Okay. And get a catastrophe fund. If you don't have a catastrophe fund, man, you're cruising for a bruising. I've got family members. I try to coach and try to help. They don't pay me anything. So I think they don't pay attention. Those who pay and put their neck out there pay attention. I'm a firm believer. But I've tried to help them. I try to explain this concept to them. It just falls upon deaf ears and they don't listen to it. 
So get that catastrophe fund. Master the art of saving your money first. Get your expenses in check. Get your debt down. Then focus on going after the investments per se. Next thing is money forecasting. How many times you get an unexpected bill, something pops up, IRS bill, you thought you paid enough in and they're like, oh, you owe more money. And you're like, ah, man. Or maybe your truck breaks down or your trailer brakes go out or I don't know, something happens. Uh, Your kid gets sick and you're like, I didn't have the extra money for that. I wasn't planning on that. I don't know what to do. I barely have enough money in my account to just pay the bills this month. How am I going to move forward? Has that ever happened to you before? Well, yeah, it happens to most everybody. But the truth is, if you money forecast and you have a catastrophe fund, then there's no problems there. You're not worried about it. And it's really just a structure in the way that you live your life. Nothing has to change. You can still have fun. You can still go see your friends. You still do stuff. As long as it fits into the 50, 20, 20, 10 rule, then bam, you can do whatever you want. But the money forecasting will help you because that helps you with your emergency fund or your catastrophe fund, planning ahead for things that you may or may not need. Maybe your tires are starting to get a little wore out on your car and you're like, I'll get another month out of them. I'll get another month out of them. And boom, your tires start popping, they're leaking, all this stuff. And you're like, I didn't think about that. I don't have another $800 to put tires on my car. Or what if, you know, your school tuition for your kids is coming up January 1 and you, you weren't planning on it, you didn't think about it, and then all of a sudden you get a bill for this, this huge amount. Or a tax bill, what if that tax bill shows up? How does that make you feel when you get that random expense that you weren't even thinking of? It's like, man, bam, back to zero. I wasn't thinking about that. Jeez, come on. At the end of the day, if you forecast your money, if you look ahead and say, what am I future going to have to pay for? So taxes is a great one. Every quarter I pay in taxes. A lot of taxes actually in And if I love the way our tax money was spent, I would not be upset one bit, but I think most of it just goes out the window. But taxes, that's all of the side note. Taxes are for me that one thing that I don't like to pay, but I do. But every quarter, I got to pay a massive tax bill. Now, what happens if January 1, I'm not thinking about that tax bill that's going to roll around in March. I'm not thinking about that. Well, in March, they're going to roll around. The IRS is going to send me a letter and it's going to be due... In early April, it's going to be due in April. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even, you know, I didn't think I had to pay that much money, but now I do. But if I money forecast and I put money aside as I make money, then it's not a big deal. For example, you know, we put money away every single month to pay for our taxes. That's just the way that we do it. That way we don't get hit with that massive bill that's just like, I wasn't thinking about that. What do I do? So money forecast, look ahead and think about things that you can start saving for ahead of time. Don't just pull this money out of your catastrophe fund. Get have a separate savings account that you can put money into, that would be incredible. Or if you want to carry seven months on your catastrophe fund instead of six, then go that route. You know, learning how to manage your expenses has everything to do with discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. You have to learn to say no to some things. And I know it's not fun, but if you live your life in this manner, 50% live, 20% wants, 20% save and invest, 10% give away you'll begin to look at money a lot differently. It's not easy, but you can do it. Listen, guys, like I said, I used to sleep in the backseat of my truck. I used to eat bologna sandwiches 24-7. Growing up, a lot of months did not have electricity. A lot of months we did not have food. I remember like growing up and like there would be mold growing on our bread in our house. And I would like pick the mold off and still eat the bread because I was like literally that hungry. And so for me, going through those life experiences, and I hope that you're not in that situation because it sucks, But if you are, like, know that there's light for you. Know that you can grow. Know that you can get better. 
Notice that the number one thing that you have to do is keep working on yourself to grow and get better. It's not easy, but everyone can do it, right? It's not easy, but everyone can do it. And you deserve it. You deserve to grow your money, but understand it's found through discipline. You have to do some of these things. Really focus on it. You have to do a monthly money review. You're going to have to have a catastrophe fund. You're going to have to forecast your money. You're going to have to use some of these things that businesses do, that people do that are successful. Look around at the people that you know are successful. You know they're successful and you know they do well. How do you think they do it? I guarantee that some of the things they do is this stuff right here that we're learning. So if they can do it, you can do it. Get disciplined. Be a person of action. Get going and do it today. I hope you've enjoyed this part of the money mindset training. The next one is going to be how to grow your money. So without further ado, I hope you continue crushing it. Much love and we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Hey, my friend, I just wanted to remind you that if you want to take your mental toughness to the next level, I created this thing called the Cowboy Challenge. It's an 11-day mental toughness challenge. If you are struggling with your mental toughness, maybe you don't have the consistency that you want, maybe that your diet sucks, maybe that you're not getting regular sleep, or you're just, you know, maybe lazy. If you want some help getting to the next level with your mindset, with your attitude, with your mental toughness, go ahead and check out the Cowboy Challenge, and it's in the description below. We'll see you soon.